tonight, and I pray, Lord, that as we hear this information, that you would make it clear, Lord, what our part is to help fight and end human trafficking, Lord. There's always something all of us can do. And so, Lord, open our ears and our heart and let us learn together through your precious name we pray. In Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, let me start right away. Human trafficking is modern-day slavery. There are more slaves in the world today than any other time in history. It's estimated there are between 20 and 30 million modern-day slaves in the world. Now, trafficking is not to be confused with smuggling. Smuggling is illegally transporting a person across international borders, and oftentimes it's voluntary. Human trafficking involves the recruitment, the abduction, the transport, the harboring, the transfer, the sale or receipt of people within national or international borders. And this happens through force, fraud, or coercion. And it is against their will. Now, there are many different types of trafficking. I think most of us are aware of what's called sex trafficking. This is the act of forcing a person into prostitution or pornography for money. It's called commercial sex. These crimes are primarily committed against women and children and operate out of brothels, through pimps, production companies that produce pornography, gangs, and organized crime. But a boyfriend or a husband can traffic their girlfriend or their wife by forcing her to have sex with others for money. It doesn't have to be a big operation. Another type of trafficking is called labor trafficking, and that's the act of forcing a person to work for little or no money. This occurs in legitimate businesses like clothing factories, hotels, restaurants, construction sites, farming, brick making, medical care, the entertainment industry like circuses or carnivals, begging on the streets and nail salons, Traffickers are people who can operate out of a legitimate business. Right here in your area, there are people being trafficked in farming. We hear so much about sex trafficking, but did you know that 60%, 70% of all trafficking worldwide is labor trafficking? You see, in order to keep up with the need for cheap labor to sell cheap products, employers are using slaves to do the work. There are two forms of labor trafficking, debt bondage and forced labor. Forced labor is just that, sheer brutality, forcing people to work. But debt bondage is a little different. It's when labor is demanded for a payment for a loan or a service. A person may borrow money from an employer and then they pay the loan back with working for them. But of course they work way longer than the original debt needed. And sometimes an employer doesn't pay an employee. They say, you know, well, I'll get that to you. Just keep working, I'll pay you. And then time goes by so long that that employee won't quit because so much money is owed them. And they think they'll get that money someday, but of course they never do. 
So another type of trafficking is called domestic servitude. That's home servants. Here it involves women who are forced to work in the, in the homes of their employers as maids, cooking, cleaning, childcare. The employer often takes their legal documents and prevents them from leaving. They work long hours and in very bad living conditions. Some people horrifically are trafficked and killed for their organs. Their organs are harvested, their heart, their liver, their kidneys, they're sold on the black market as transplants. And forced marriage is another type of trafficking. You might say, why? Why is this happening? There is one word, ladies, it's money. This is an economic crime. It's estimated that human trafficking earns $32 billion a year worldwide. In terms of illegal business, selling drugs is still number one, but for number, the number two spot, weapons and human trafficking are now tied. See, many criminals are turning to human trafficking. Gangs are turning to human trafficking. Why, you may ask? Because you can only sell drugs or weapons one time, but you can sell a person over and over and over again. How does this happen? How does it happen? People are controlled in three ways, through force, fraud, or coercion. Force is physical brutality, beatings, sexual violence, burns, slaps, punches, physical restraints. Fraud, people are tricked, misrepresented, lies, false promises. And then coercion, that's persuasion, isolation, bad conditions, threats, stealing documents, instilling horrific fear, getting victims addicted to drugs. Let's unpack these tactics a little bit more. Force, people are physically forced in, into trafficking. Let's look at this internationally. Let's try to understand something here. The many billion people who are very poor live in the world, live in their countries where they generally are not under the shelter of the law. There's no 911 to call. There's no legal system that is enforced. And so what happens is that the poor are very vulnerable and they are attacked and taken advantage of and enslaved by the powerful. And there are no consequences for these offenders. People lose their land, it's taken from them, they're forced to work for nothing, they're forced to serve in armies, they're forced to work as prostitutes. It's like the wild, wild west was here in our country years and years ago. Lawlessness, anything goes, the powerful win. And the poor suffer. So ministries like the International Justice Mission are intent on going into countries and changing the laws so that the offenders are punished. And they are starting to provide hope for the poor. But force is used in America here as well. Listen to Brittany's story. A man approached Brittany at a mall in her hometown asking if she was looking for a job. And this man gave her a business card for a local restaurant that he owned. When Brittany called the number on the card, the man confirmed that he was looking for waitresses, but the man told her 
Instead of coming to the restaurant, he would pick her up at the mall instead. Bad idea. Instead of going to the restaurant, he came, picked her up, and he told her in the car, you're not going to be a waitress, you're going to be a prostitute for me. At gunpoint, Brittany was forced to drink bottles of vodka and take blue pills that made her dizzy and disoriented. Brittany was uh, forced to, uh, she tried to look for help, but she was locked in a hotel room with no access to a phone. After three days of being beaten, drugged, and forced to have sex with at least 60 men, Brittany managed to escape and asked the first car she saw to call the police. She got out early. Now, other ways that traffickers use to trap their victims happens through fraud and coercion. You see, traffickers look for a need that vulnerable people have, and they pretend to answer that need. They pretend to be the answer to that need. What needs would you say? Well, number one, abused women and girls are broken and looking for love. So the desire to be loved is something that these girls have, and the traffickers know how to work that. Listen to Valerie's story. She was 16, had low self-esteem due to the abuse that she had endured from her mom's boyfriend. She met a boy who paid her a lot of attention. He became her boyfriend and made her feel like a million bucks. He buys Valerie presents, and she falls head over heel in love with him. He turns the tables just a little bit by saying, you know, why don't you just quit school and move in with me? And then all of a sudden he says, you know, babe, there's an easy way for us to earn some money. If you just have sex with a few guys, it could bring in some big bucks, and you and I could really enjoy it. So she loves him and figures, ah, eh, there's nothing to it. So she does it. But after a while, you know, she thought, you know, I just want to be with him. I just want to love him. And so she says to him, you know, I want to stop now. Let's make money some other way. But this is when her boyfriend begins to change. He begins to get abusive, beat her, threaten her, and force her to continue. He tells her that her family will be harmed, and if she doesn't obey, he will post footage of her on the internet and ruin her life forever. You see, human trafficking is called a crime of the mind because modern-day slaves are often controlled psychologically through fear and threats to either themselves or their families. You see, it, sometimes it starts with initial consent, but it is not continued consent. So the desire for love is one need that the traffickers look for. The desire for shelter is another. Runaway kids often wind up trafficked. They're promised a home. Another is the desire for fame and money. Traffickers bait girls with modeling jobs and exotic dancing jobs, telling them how great they pay and how famous they can become. Here's Rachel Thomas's story, a California Orange County girl. Rachel came from a happy, upper-class, two-parent home. She was in her junior year at Emory University when she unknowingly met her pimp, 
a professional and well-spoken modeling agent. He had business cards, a portfolio of contracts with recognizable models, a fiance on his arm. He had connections through Atlanta, club promoters, music video directors, casting agents, celebrities. He groomed Rachel for a month with high-quality, all-expenses-paid photo shoots, a professional comp card, and a legitimate modeling work with various music videos and magazines. But then he convinced her to start doing exotic dancing, which primarily is stripping, because he said it brings in a lot of money and she needed to fund her new modeling career, flying to New York, going to auditions and all of that. And then, to receive payment from a video that she had made, he asked her to fill out a W-4 form, which included her parents' home address and her social security number. Shortly after this is when things went south. He began forcing her to have sex with clients from the strip club, video sets, and anybody else who would pay. He threatened to kill her family because he knew where they lived, open lines of credit in her name, send embarrassing tapes to the dean of her school, kill her, and more. He became physically abusive and mentally abusive, yet all the while maintaining that he was her agent. In fact, he beat Rachel one time for accusing him of being a pimp. Thankfully, another one of this pimp's victims brought the case to the police. Two years later, Rachel's pimp was sentenced to 15 years in prison, and upon his arrest, the FBI discovered that he had victimized over 75 college girls for over seven years preying on naive college girls of all races who were away at home in dorms. So that kind of a pimp is called, she calls him the CEO pimp, because the ones that are brutal are called gorilla pimps, and the ones that start out as boyfriends are called the Romeo pimps. All different tactics to ensnare these girls. Now another desire that the pimps try to fill, avoid, is the desire to get out of poverty. This is huge internationally. People are desperate because they have nothing. Families and their daughters are easy targets for traffickers when they promise them jobs and money. Listen to Ruth's story from India. Ruth lived in the tea gardens in the Darjeeling Hills of India. She was a school dropout who helped take care of her elderly father. They were very poor, and every day she did her household chores. She had no dreams of escape or any hope that things would be different. Then one day, an old friend from her school named Mary comes into the village dressed in the most beautiful clothes. She tells Ruth how she has a wonderful job in the town of Siliguri and that she's making lots and lots of money. And she tells Ruth she could easily get her a job there and that Ruth should come with her. Well, Ruth convinces her father that this is a good idea. After all, she knows Mary. It should be safe. And so they travel to Siliguri together, and when they get there, Mary leaves Ruth 
in a hotel room and says, I'll be right back. But she doesn't come back. Instead, two men come inside the room, they beat her and rape her, and sell her to a brothel owner. The brothel owner tells her if she does not do what he tells her to do, he will see to it that her father is killed, and then he will kill her too. So in terror, she does what she is told. There are many people here in the United States from foreign lands who were in dire poverty, and traffickers in their countries said, oh, I can get you a job at the United States. But when they get here, their passports are taken right away, they're forced into sex or labor work, they don't know our language, they're told our police are corrupt, they're moved around from city to city, they have no idea where they are, and their families often never hear from them again. Another desire that people have is the desire for education. Children and their families are tricked into thinking that their children are going to school, when of course they are not. 13-year-old Natalia was told by her parents she was moving to the U.S. with family friends who would allow her to receive an education and learn English. Born and raised in a small village in Ghana, Natalia's family was struggling to pay school fees. And they welcomed the opportunity for Natalia to receive an education in the United States. But shortly after she arrived here, the father she was living with began to physically and sexually abuse the young girl, creating a constant environment of terror for Natalia. For the next six years, she was forced to clean the house wash clothes, cook, take care of the children. She was never allowed to enroll in school. She was never paid a dime for anything she did. She couldn't go outside. She couldn't use the phone. One day after severely being beaten, she saw an opportunity to run away from the home and a neighbor called the police. She was taken to a local hospital for medical care and thankfully the nurse knew about human trafficking and got her some help. But I said before, a boyfriend or a husband can be a human trafficker. Not every girl is trafficked by a pimp with tattoos, piercing, and guns. Listen to Mari's story. Mari is a 37-year-old African-American woman who had been in a relationship with Daryl for 16 years. During that time, Mari and Daryl had four children. Over the course of the relationship, Daryl had been verbally, physically, sexually abusive. And additionally, when Daryl wanted money, he called friends over and forced Mari to have commercial sex. She tried to leave him, but he threatened to hurt their children and convinced her that she had no other options but to stay with him. He controlled all of her money, didn't allow her to have her own bank account, didn't let her get a driver's license. She could not see any alternative. But listen to this. One evening, Daryl, Mari, and another girl named Janice, who he was also forcing into prostitution, were pulled over by a police officer for a traffic violation. The officer noticed that when Daryl pulled out his ID, he noticed that he also had Mari's ID and the other girl's ID with him as well. And he thought, you know, I think I'm gonna talk to these girls privately. And during that conversation, the officer realized that both women were being forced and coerced into prostitution. Thank God 
that that officer knew about trafficking and knew about some of the signs, and they were rescued from Daryl. It's estimated that there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of traffic victims in the U.S. In Los Angeles, 70 to 80 percent of the human trafficking victims are girls from the foster care and probation systems, and these systems are flawed, to say the least. Vulnerable girls are the target of traffickers. You know, no young girl, when she sits in her home and is young, playing with her Barbie, says, I think I'll be a prostitute when I grow up one day. That doesn't happen. 90% of all prostitutes in America were physically, mentally, or sexually abused as children. And it's happening here. California is one of the top three destinations in the United States for human trafficking. Why? Because there's 38 million residents here, there's a huge economy, fabulous location, good access to everything, and so thousands of victims are suffering each year. It's a crime of the mind. People say, why don't they just run away? Let me give you a picture to understand. Oftentimes overseas, you'll see an elephant whose leg is tied with just a simple rope. This rope keeps the elephant from running away. But the elephant can easily break the rope. Why doesn't it? Because at first it was tied with a chain. It tried to get loose, but over time it was broken or defeated mentally to believe it could never get loose. Once that elephant was broken mentally, all that was needed was a simple rope to keep it bound. And that's the same thing that happens to the victims. Their lives as sex slaves begin with very harsh treatment. They're treated so badly until they give up. If they attempt to run away and are caught, they are beaten. Eventually, they are broken down. They learn that life is less painful if they don't fight it. Eventually, there is no gun to their head. So many can run and leave, but there are invisible walls all around them, and they are very real to them. Now, some girls, some victims are rescued and rehabilitated. But for young girls especially, when they're rescued or they run away, and unfortunately, worldwide, few do, they're broken people who often trust no one and have a long road of healing ahead. Healing takes time. These victims have suffered complex trauma. And rehabilitation starts with basic needs just to help them stabilize. Many don't know what safety feels like. They don't even know what love looks like or feels like. There is a breakdown of humanity in their minds. They even experience feelings of loyalty to their captor, captors, and oftentimes they'll leave rehab and go back to their traffickers on and off until they are finally set free mentally. Now, often in rehab, the first three months are simply to build trust, to help them feel lovable and not be alone. These girls have had their innocence stolen. They need the voice of caring adults to speak for them. These girls need trauma therapy often and counseling. What was normal living to them was abuse 
and 10 to 20 sexual partners a day. They need to learn a new normal, and that takes time. And often these precious girls struggle with shame and embarrassment and too frequently believe that their victimization was their fault. We may have this notion that they will be so grateful, so happy to be out, but many are so troubled they need help. Many have been addicted to drugs and they need to get off of those drugs. Now in America, victims of human trafficking, when they're rescued, they're offered a host of services to help them get their lives back together. And there are many organizations that help. Our church, Cottonwood, works with the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force and the Salvation Army. These two organizations provide services for both domestic and international survivors. They provide legal assistance, shelter, food, clothing, counseling, employment leads, and more. Our church has provided Christmas gifts, Thanksgiving meals, emergency backpacks for survivors. We're getting ready to refurnish a new Salvation Army uh, shelter. We have volunteers who drive survivors to their appointments. And we're getting ready to put on our second annual Beauty Day where the girls will have their makeup done, their hair done, their nails done, and then we'll take them to a beautiful dinner. It's a joy to bless them. So there's hope, especially in our country, for survivors. And our police departments are getting trained, which is fabulous. More arrests are being made, more uh, uh, traffickers are being put in prisons, and the punishment for these crimes are getting stronger and stronger. You might say, what can I do? Learn. Thank God you're here. I thank God that you cared to learn about this problem. Get the word out. Educate your girls in your world. Warn them. Don't let them stay naive. Know that social media is the biggest way that traffickers are recruiting girls. Be aware. If you suspect anything weird going on, and it looks like trafficking, call the national hotline. I think you all have that number, 888-3737-888. Be aware of the young girls around you, your own girls, their friends, the girls in the youth group, the girls in your school. How are they doing? Don't let them stay naive. Tell them. You know, at-risk girls are generally the target of traffickers, but you must understand regular teenage girls can be targets as well. Normal teenage girls want to take risks. You know, they feel misunderstood by their parents, you know, and they're seeking, sorry girls, I was a girl once too, if you believe that, I really was. And they're seeking romantic relationships. Not all pimps have 100 tattoos, 50 chains, and 1,000 piercings all over their body. He can look like the boy next door. So here are some things to look for as indicators of trafficking in junior and senior high girls. Regular school attendance starts to drop. A friend asks you to start lying for her. She talks about going to another city with her boyfriend. She has a sudden change of clothes. Now she has expensive clothes. So is her watch, her purse, and her jewelry. She has a new boyfriend who's a lot older. And he's controlling, and he pulls her away from her regular circle of friends. Look for symptoms of these girls of anger, panic, 
frequent crying, cutting, depression, fear, suicidal thoughts, and speech. Traffickers go where children are, the malls, sorry, but youth groups, schools, bus and train stations, group homes. Peers and classmates can bring their friends along if they're already trafficked. And as I said before, social media is a huge way they recruit. And finally, ladies, one of the key risk factors for a girl to be trafficked is the lack of a social network. Keep your girls connected to you and the church community. Keep them connected to healthy people. Keep your families healthy. Who are their friends? What are they doing on the internet? If your girls have strong relationships with you and with other healthy people, she will not need to look elsewhere for love or any of her needs to be met. Those needs will be met by you so that the traffickers don't have to. You know, the Bible says that a cord with three strands is very hard to break. So have a lot of strands of cords around your girls, your family, your youth group, the church, good friends, um, another family that they love, parents that are cooler than you, because you are not cool. That's just the way it is. So I always made sure my kids were around other moms and adults that they thought were cooler than I, who of course loved Christ. <laughs> just as many cords as you can have around this girl to keep her safe so that no trafficker, he'd have to break so many cords, He'll, he will go and look for somebody who has no cords, no one attached to them. So keep them safe. And then finally, pray. Pray that people will become aware of this tragedy and that our kids will not be tricked. Pray that trafficking victims find Christ because he can only set them fully free physically, mentally, and spiritually. Pray that tra traffickers are stopped and are punished for their crimes. We have found that mobilizing people to become part of the solution to this problem happens best when working in our church in partnership with good organizations that are already doing the work. I know that Pastor Ann is planning to go forward in this area of service, so stay tuned to hear what she has planned in the future and offer your help to help her in this fight against human trafficking. Thank you so much, ladies. Hello. Oh, there we go. All right. <laughs> oh, great information, wasn't that? A little eye-opening? Yeah. Can we just give Marie one more great hand? Thank you. So good. All right. Well, this past October, I had an opportunity to go to India with a ministry team, and I was told that one of the girls on the team was a young girl, a survivor of human trafficking, and she was going to be sharing her story there as human trafficking is a huge problem there in the area where we were. and. So, you know, I was excited to meet her, and I felt like I was pretty aware of human trafficking at that time, and I was aware of what was happening in other countries, overseas. I was aware of 
you know, a lot of things happening here in California and that with our ports here, girls were being trafficked into California and had even been part of different outreach endeavors to help survivors in those areas. But there was still so much that I didn't know. And when I heard this young lady, Devin Alexa, share her story, it really made the light bulb go off for me personally. And my heart was just so gripped with the reality that our girls, right here, girls under our noses, are being trafficked every day. And we've got to be aware and we've got to be willing to do something to help. And so I am just thrilled that Devin could be here tonight to share her story with all of you. Will you just give her a great warm welcome as she comes? Hello, everybody. Um, wow, it is such an honor to be here and see all of these faces. I am so, um, I just want to say thank you for coming out. Anytime I come to one of these events and I see um, just people that want to learn more and hear about human trafficking, it gets my heart excited. Um, I know our God is a God that wants to fight against, against injustice. Um, so it's inspiring for me to see you guys here and Hopefully you guys will want to join the fight. Um, I know we prayed a few times already, but I would just like to pray one more time before I get into my story. <sighs> okay, Lord God, we just thank you for so or thank you so much for who you are, Jesus. We thank you, God, um, for your presence in this place, Lord. I thank you, God, for your love, God. I thank you that you love every single woman that entered this door, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that you knew every single heart that was going to be in this room, God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you speak through me, Lord, and that um, your words just permeate the hearts of the women in here, God. I just um, proclaim freedom in this room, Father, over every woman, God. Um, you know their hearts, Lord. You know what they're going through, God. So I just thank you that you are um, just breaking free any chains in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I am 24 years old right now. Um, when I was 19 years old, I became a victim of human trafficking. I grew up in Los Alamitos, which is about 10 minutes away from Seal Beach. Does anybody know where that is? Yes, so it's really close. It's a nice neighborhood. Um, it wouldn't be considered like inner city. Um, I have a single mom, and she was an alcoholic. Um, I was really influenced by media and hip hop. I love to dance. I loved music, and I was really drawn to that lifestyle. So when I, um, when I entered high school, I started to make decisions that weren't very good. I started drinking, I started partying, I had the star football boyfriend, and I just thought I was living life. I thought my life was good. I wanted to be in music videos, and that were the desires of my heart. Um, 
As high school progressed, um, I continued to make poor decision after poor decision. Um, when I got out of high school, I um, started going to clubs in LA. I was like 17 and 18 years old. I was going to various clubs and um, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was pursuing this very destructive lifestyle. I was going to club after club. Um, I eventually lost my job. I was working at Chili's. I was living on my own by the time I was 17. Um, after losing my job, I had nowhere to live and I became homeless. I went to a party in LA with one of my friends and her and I, this was my best friend, her and I had gotten in a fight and she had left that night. And I remember waking up the next morning, I had blocked out, I had drank a lot, and I had blocked out. I woke up the next morning, and I woke up and I was like, hey, where's my friend? And they told me, they were like, oh, she got mad at you, she left you. And I remember calling her and being like, hey, like, what happened? And she was like, you messed up. Um, I ended up sleeping with some guy that she was, uh, like, that she was into that night. And I remember feeling so broken. Um, I started crying and I started telling these guys, um, I don't have anywhere to live. I don't have a job and I don't know what I, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was just crying. I was just venting. And one of the guys came up to me and he said, hey, you know what? My uncle's in town and he lives in Vegas and I'm sure he would let you stay with him. And I was thinking, I'm like, Vegas? There's no way I could go to Vegas. You know, it's too far. No. Um, the more that I talked to them, they would kind of convince me over time to go. They were like, what do you have to lose? You have nowhere to go. And I was like, you know what, you're right. Um, they told me that his uncle, you know, he was good friends with Snoop Dogg, and they were telling me all these things, and I'm like, oh, well, that would be cool. You know, I'll go to Vegas, I'll find a new job, I'll set up my life for myself. I have nothing to lose here. And so I told him, I said, okay, um, all right, call him. And within 15 minutes, his uncle was there, and um, he pulled up, and he was in a 760 BMW, and I was immediately impressed. I remember looking at the car and looking at him and being like, wow, this is so cool. Um, the guy was super nice. He had a cheesy smile and he asked me my name, asked me if I was okay. Um, the whole car ride to Vegas, he was just loving. He was like, don't worry about it. I got you covered. You're going to be fine. Um, he was asking me about my life and I was just venting to him. And in my heart, I'm thinking, wow, like, 
this guy is so cool. Like, he's my savior. Like, I couldn't believe that somebody was being so nice to me. And so we get to his house, and it's even better than the car. It's in a gated community. It's a huge mansion. And I'm thinking, like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be my life. Like, the dream's coming true. Everything I dreamed of is coming true. And I walk into the house, and immediately his demeanor changed. Um, you know, he was a little more serious, and he tells me, he's like, have a seat on the couch. So I'm like, all right. So I walk over to the couch, and I sit down, and I'm just like, you know, it's like midnight, and I'm thinking, what did I get myself into? And I hear, he goes, I'll be back. I hear him go upstairs, and he walks up the stairs, and all I hear him is several hits. And then I hear him saying, where's my money, ho? Over and over, and I hear a girl crying. And I remember sitting, and I used a word that I no longer use, but I was like, oh, crap. Like, what the heck did I get myself into? Even at that point, um, fear had struck my heart. You know, now I'm thinking, like, this guy is crazy. And... Um, you know, I think this is the point where everybody asks me, so I'll just answer the question. They always say, well, why didn't you leave? You know, so I'll just address that question now. I didn't leave. Um, I think the moment I stepped into his car was the moment I made the decision. You know, I didn't really have any other options. It didn't seem at that point in my life that I had any other options. I didn't feel like I had anybody. I didn't feel like I had a family support, a church support. That seemed like the only reasonable choice to me at that time. Um, so he comes downstairs and he says, "All right, let me show you to my, let me show you to your room." So I walk in. I'm like, "Oh great, I have my own room. I've never had one of those before." Um, so I go to sleep. He's like, I'll wake you up in the morning. Morning comes around, and he says, hey, Devin. He's like, I have a few people that want to see you. Still at this point, I'm like, I'm not really sure what he's meaning. I'm like, I've never heard about human trafficking at this point. Um, I had seen the movie Hustle and Flow. That was kind of the extent of my knowledge of human trafficking. I thought it was in the movies, um, maybe in Vegas, at the Bunny Ranch, but I didn't think it was real. Um, I didn't think it was something that really happened in real life. So I'm walking into this situation and I, um, I look at, he's like, I have a few people that I want you to see. So I, I'm like, okay, so I get into the car with him. Granted, I have no clothes. I'm wearing like old clothes from the night before. Um, and he drives me to a hotel in Henderson in Las Vegas. And he goes, so this is what you're gonna do. And he gives me directions of how I'm gonna leave the money on the nightstand um, and how I'm gonna perform a date. And I told him, like, I can't do that. Like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. 
and that's when he lost it. You're not going to waste my time. I da 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 da. So from what I had seen the last night of him hitting the girl, I'm already afraid and like, oh, like crap, okay. Um, I go into the hotel and he's like, if you need anything, call me. Like, I'm here for you. I have your back. And so the first um, encounter happened. And that is when something shifted in my spirit. Um, there's something that happens when you don't willingly have sex with somebody. Um, and this person took complete advantage of me. Um, I called him afterwards and I was crying and I told him, please don't make me do that again. I can't do that. And he said, well, too bad, B. You have another one coming in. And for that whole day, it was back to back to back to back. The only reason I share this with you is because this is how urgent this injustice is. As we're sitting in this room right now, there are women, children, young girls that this is happening to this very second as we're in this room. Um, you know, after a while, after that night, I went to bed and I just had flashback and flashback and flashback and over and over and over again of just thinking what had happened to me that day, how my life just changed. And the next day, um, I just began to accept it. Like, this is my life. I'm not worth it. And this is when he started to come in and he starts to build you up. Um, and he starts to put chains on your mind and you start believing what you're doing is cool, that what everybody else is doing, they're squares and what we're doing is cool. Um, over time, I built up trust with him by being obedient to what he said. Um, and I, by the grace of God, had a way of escape. There was one night that I was left home alone, which is very rare. Um, we were usually with another girl or in his watch. Um, and I had been secretly texting an old friend um, from high school. And nobody really knew what I was doing. Everybody thought I was Snoop Dogg's assistant, because that sounds cool. And um, this guy, he was on the football team from La Salle, and he told me, hey, Devin, he's like, I'm on my way to Vegas. And I, ha I had been home alone that night. So I told him, I was like, hey, come pick me up. And then I was sitting on my bed, and I was looking at the phone. I was like, actually, actually, never mind. Because I was sitting in front of my closet, which had all of my clothes that I had earned. The only thing that was my worth was my closet. And I don't know what happened, and I believe it was God because I changed my mind. I forgot about the clothes, um, and I left that night. Um, when I came back, I did return back to Los Alamitos, and I got a job at a restaurant, and I just 
realized that I wanted to live a normal life again, that I was going to just live a normal life, survive. Um, I got hired at a restaurant. I was walking around with chains on my mind. I always thought he was going to find me. You know, a few times he did find me. He didn't do anything, but a few times he found out where I was. He would tell me, you'll be back. They always come back. And um, I remember working my restaurant job and just thinking, like, I'm surviving. Like, this is my life. Like, if this is my life, then that's fine. And I had been working there for about two months, and this girl, her name is Alex, um, she got hired with me, and I trained her, and she asked me, she said, hey, Devin, she was like, what, um, let me just tell you, this is the good part of the story. <laughs> she told me, she said, hey, um, what religion are you? And I told her, oh, I'm a Christian, and she said, oh, you are? What church do you go to? And I'm like, I go to Cottonwood, because that had been the church that I went to when I was 11. Um, it had always been kind of like my home church. And um, she goes, oh, that's cool. She was like, do you follow Jesus? And I remember thinking, I'm like, I told her, no, there's just a few things in my life that I'm not ready to give up. You know, I wasn't partying, I wasn't doing anything, but there was just, you know, I wasn't ready to set down a few things. Um, and I remember going home that night and thinking, like, dang, how selfish am I? Sorry, God, like, I'm not ready to surrender this to you, you know? And something clicked in me that night, and I knew that the next time I gave my life to Jesus, that I would be 100% sold out, that would I, I would have both feet in. And um, shortly after, I rededicated my life to Christ, and that's when the chains in my mind became free. That's when the chains in my heart became free. Um, and it's only by his grace. It's only God. Um, he's the only one that can free, um, give true freedom. And I know we are, like, speaking on human trafficking, and this is the subject at hand, but I know that um, freedom is in everything. We're all survivors. We have all survived something, and God can wants complete freedom. And I know that everybody in this room tonight, he wants to give you that freedom. I know that it w was not a mistake that you were here tonight, and um, for me, I know that the dreams that I had as a little girl got redeemed when I came back to Christ. Um, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a missionary. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a dancer. Um, when I gave my life to Christ, I joined the dance team at church. I got to dance for Jesus. Um, and um, I've been on two mission trips now, and he just, he flips the tables. 
He turns everything that the enemy wants to use, and he uses it for good. Um, so I just pray, and I hope that you are encouraged by my story. Um, if it's in your heart to do something towards this fight, whatever you do, do it for human trafficking. If you bake, bake for human trafficking. Um, God has gifted everybody, and... Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening to me. Devin, thank you so much for opening your heart and your life to us. We just so admire your courage, your bravery, and just admire you for letting God do his healing work in your life. It's so awesome. Thank you so much. You know, actually, I just want to, I know we're, we're running a little late. We're just going to take a couple extra minutes, but I just want to ask Devin and Murray both just to come back up for a moment. While they're coming, you know, you might be sitting there thinking, Okay, well, what? that's Orange County. We heard a lot of other stories, but what's happening right here? Can I just tell you, everything you heard tonight is happening right here in Riverside County and right here in the Temecula Valley. And, you know, at one time it was thought that there wasn't a whole lot going on with human trafficking here in Riverside County because we're not a coastal area, there's not ports here, but now it is known that Riverside County is a major corridor for trafficking. As in Southern California, if you want to go to any other state through Southern California, what do you have to go through? Riverside County. And with our close proximity to the border, and you know, as Marie said, they're taking girls from city to city and, and from state to state. It, known right now as they're taking girls from Arizona through California into Nevada. And it's just so much happening right here. And so we've just got to be aware. We can't bury our head in the sand. We've just got to be aware and share that awareness with others. But I just wanted to take a quick moment and just ask a couple questions. And Devin, I just want you to take a minute and just speak to your generation about how do you feel Today's pop culture is influencing them. Is it desensitizing them towards human trafficking? Um, I know how big of an influence music had on me personally. Um, I used to listen. I remember my first concert. I was 15 years old, and I went to see Pretty Ricky. Do you guys remember who they are? Okay, well, I'll just say a few of the lines of some of the songs. Just so you can have an idea of, the, of what I was listening to as a young teenager, um, the lines say, it's five in the morning, and I'm up having phone sex with you. So um, at 15, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get on the phone and have phone sex. But I sure was shaking my hips, and I was listening to the words. Um, there was a long list of people I listened to, Beyonce, I loved her music. I wanted to be like, uh-oh. Um, I wanted to be in music videos. So I was idolizing these women, idolizing these rappers. And 
saying like, oh, well, Sierra's dancing next to this rapper like this. I want to do that too. Um, not really listening to the music, you don't realize that the lyrics are planting these seeds. And I was definitely swayed by it. Um, I was swayed by the way I dressed, and it just drew back, drew like wrong attention. Um, so now being 24 and knowing the impact that it had, and especially for the young girls, um, I totally encourage like, I mean, I love Jesus, so worship music. But there's good hip-hop music that is edifying, that will build up your spirit, that will build up your confidence, show you how to be a real woman, a strong woman, a confident woman. And um, so as far as the media's influence, I would just say listen to Christian music. <laughs> We've got to be aware. We've got to recognize what we're absorbing and just really not just take things so lightly. Really realize that it gets in. It gets in and it affects us. All right. Well, I just want to ask one more question. Maybe, you know, maybe there's somebody here tonight who has come out of a situation where they've been trafficked. And maybe there's someone here tonight feeling like, I want to get to a place of wholeness. What steps would you recommend to them to be able to get to that place? Um, number one, follow Jesus. Seek Jesus and seek him knowing that it's not about how you go after him, but how he has sought you or brought you to this point. Um, so he's after your heart. And so pursue a relationship with Christ. Um, get rooted in a good church. I know how much that affected who I am today, um, just having that family church community. Um, I have four friends over here that came to support me. Um, these are friends that God has blessed me with. Um, just strong women. Um, good women, women that care about me, um, women that love me. And so I would encourage you to get involved in a good church. Um, seek counseling. Um, pursue healing. Um, God wants you to be whole. He wants to make you complete. And view yourself the way that Jesus views you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, Uh, my life verses, and I hold on to this daily. I think every, at least once a day, it, I replay it in my head, and it's Philippians 3.13. It says, not that I have already attained or have already perfected, but one thing I do, forgetting the things of the past and pressing towards the goal of Christ Jesus. Um, so every day, press forward. Take one positive step. If you fall, get, just get back up and take another step and keep progressing. Um. You know, maybe you're here tonight. You girls stay put just for a moment. <laughs> but maybe you're here tonight and, and maybe you've come out of a situation like Devin. 
and maybe you're, you're here and you're wanting to connect with other believers and you're wanting to get on that road to wholeness, can I just tell you, we would love to connect with you before you leave tonight. We would love to pray with you. And uh, maybe there's some of you here tonight and you've never started a relationship with God, your own personal relationship. Maybe you came with a friend or somehow you heard about tonight's event and you came out and you say, I don't have that for myself. I want my own personal relationship with God. You can have that. And we would love to be able to connect with you and pray with you before you leave tonight. Or maybe there's some of you here tonight and you just say, you know what? I just came with some major stuff going on in my life right now and I just want somebody to pray with me before I leave. We would love to be able to pray with you. So when we end tonight, which isn't yet, we've got a few more things, but we just want you to know that when we dismiss tonight, we're gonna have a prayer team, some ladies, just some girlfriends up here that would just be honored to pray with you before you leave, all right? But right now, I want us just to take a moment and all pray together and you know what? I'm going to ask you both to pray. Devin, would you lead us and just pray for freedom in every woman's life? And then, Marie, would you just pray for our girls? Because, you know, tonight it's not at all about uh, being in, filled with fear. This is about empowerment. Awareness brings empowerment. And we want to look out for our girls. We want to do everything we can to make sure our girls are safe. And so would you just pray for all the girls here tonight? Okay, God, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. God, we give you all the glory and all the praise, Lord. I thank you, God, for bringing us um, to this place to gather as women united, Father. I thank you for um, the awareness that has been brought to light, God. I thank you for Maria's word, God. I thank you that um, the information that she brought, God, um, planted good seeds and good hearts, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you... Um, and your Holy Spirit are just prompting the hearts, God, to do something, Lord. Um, I just proclaim freedom in this room in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you that if there is any bondage in any woman's life, God, that it is just being broken off in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you that in this very moment, um, any fear, worry, or doubt, or shame, God, shame, Lord, is just gone. I thank you, Jesus, that you are covering each and every single woman in this room with your love, God, and your peace, God, that you are pouring um, and just giving them an overflow of your joy, Father. I thank you, God, that you are speaking to every heart in this room, God, that you are giving them revelations of your love, Jesus. And I thank you for freedom, God. I thank you that we could stand together, Lord, and... Um, just fight this battle for you. I thank you, Lord, that we are fighting on the good team, God, and that you call us your children. I thank you, Lord, that you want to use every single one of us in this room. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. And Lord, I first pray for the young girls in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself, Lord God and that they would see that what the world is offering is a lie, and that you would show them, Lord, that true life, true beauty, true fulfillment, 
comes through you, Lord, that you have a marvelous plan for their life. And if they follow you, if they make that choice, they will never be disappointed and all of their needs will be met in you and you will make their beautiful dreams come true. And Lord, I pray for the mothers in this room, the aunts in this room, the grandmas in this room, the sisters in this room, Lord, the friends in this room, I pray that you would give them a boldness and a confidence to look over these girls. It is not a popularity contest that we're after, Lord. We need to care for our girls, give them boldness to speak the truth to them, to love them, to cherish them, to know what they're into, give them discernment and wisdom to understand their girls so that they can love them and lead them in the way of the Lord. Protect them, Lord, we pray against the enemy. And Lord, we thank you for the power that's in Jesus Christ to save, to redeem, to heal, and to set free. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Can we just give Devin and Marie one more?